It's time for JT the Brick. I am specifically calling out some of the loud voices in the Raider Nation. We are now, as Dave Ziegler laughs, big boy radio. What, what are we talking about? Look, the elephant in the room is you're great fans in the Raider Nation. There's no one walking through that door. It's Jimmy G. Get behind him. Jimmy G does get banged up a lot. I don't like reminding you that Jimmy G gets hurt. You remind me of that too much. Some people like to vocalize it and put it out there. Some people like to keep it in and just let their play do the talk. Jimmy G this, Jimmy G's going to be that. No, Jimmy G's healthy. JT the Brick. So let me repeat that again. What is it going to take for you to buy into Jimmy G? There's not a game on the schedule where Jimmy Garoppolo with this offense doesn't give you the opportunity to win every bleeping game. That's kind of how we've always been. I ain't changing. Did I miss anything? Are you with me on that? And now... Here's JT the Brick. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming back, JT in Vegas. Wherever you're listening around the globe of the Raider Nation, we greatly appreciate it. Brought to you by the M Resort Spa and Casino, the official hotel of the Silver and Black, the Raiders Tavern and Grill, right in the center of the property off the lobby there, where Raider fans love to go and have a good time and kick back and have fun. Thanks again to the M Resort. They got Flo Rida. Flo Rida tomorrow night out there at the pool. So let's hope the weather's great. I think it will be flow rider, as I've been promoting that. So hope to see you out there for that one. We'll talk to Mike Catalana in a minute. He's a great Bills insider. Johnny Katz. John Katz and Lamitas will join us later this hour. We'll get into a lot that's going on in Vegas. I want to get to the bottom of F1, the sphere opening, what happened at the Ed Sheeran show. I went to Carlos Santana. And what does he think of this MGM hack? Big, one of the biggest stories in the world. I don't think it's being covered in Vegas. Wink, wink. I understand why. We're based about tourism and casinos, but I think we can have a conversation about it, and we'll have that coming up here in a little bit. I think the Raiders have a chance to win this game. A chance. Uh, this is one of the games where when the schedule came out, not a lot of Raider fans thought this would be a victory. Now the Raiders have more than a puncher's chance because the Raiders played decent enough in Denver to win. They had 10 penalties, and Buffalo struggled at MetLife. Mike Catalana, kind enough to join us. I was on his great show. Everything he does on all of his platforms, one of the premier insiders in Buffalo. Mike, thanks for having me on yesterday, and thanks for coming on with me today, buddy. How are you? Sounds good, JT. All good. And, Mike, what's going on with the coverage of you and all the insiders there and the fans with Josh Allen, as I told you yesterday, I think he's elite. He's next level. He can keep the Bills relevant as a Super Bowl contender for 10 to 12 years. But clearly he's been turning over the football. How are the fans handling it? You know, I, there's a large percentage of the fan base that I won't say sees Josh doing no wrong, but they're going to defend him. And look, we went through a lot of years here in Buffalo with nothing at quarterback. So you do have one of the best in the game. But when that happens... The goalpost gets moved, right? The bar gets raised. Like, you're Josh Allen. You're getting a quarter of a billion dollars, and you are one of those guys. And they've seen him get close, like a couple of years ago, that game against the Chiefs. I was just talking to my guys here. It's like, you cannot play better than that and lose. Like, mm-hmm. he played a phenomenal game, and they blew it in 13 seconds. So that mm-hmm. ends up on the quarterback's ledger, fair or unfair. I think the fans are still well, well, well on the side of Josh Allen. But there's a level of frustration because it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Last year and this year, just it's the turnovers, obviously, that when you see it. He makes the special plays, but, boy, he makes some bad ones, too, and he certainly did that Monday night. Mike Catalan is our guest. You put out a tweet a day ago. It's look in the mirror time for the Bills. 
And how does this affect Ken Dorsey as a coordinator here? What does he have to do to speak up more or rein in Josh Allen? Because Raider fans want to know, is Josh Allen going to come out there like a maverick throwing on every down? Because that's usually the way to beat the Raiders. Or is he going to be a little conservative and try to get a couple of short throws in there to kind of find his rhythm again? So the Ken Dorsey thing's interesting because he came in as a quarterback's coach, but as the guy, as the guy calling the plays, he got the more finished product of Josh Allen. Brian Dable, awesome guy, great coach, really, really connects with his players. And he got Josh as that big lump of clay, right, and was down on the ground with him, really on the field with him, and then moved up to the booth, and the two were tight, and he had no problem going after him. Josh was young and hungry. Not that he's not hungry now, but he's more accomplished. So Dable moves on, gets his gig, goes to the Giants, and here we go. You know, now you've got to step in and take over that role and take the already all-pro Josh Allen and try to get him to the next step. And, look, they won 13 games last year, but it was still – and the fans will always quote stats to me, but it always looks a little too difficult for somebody with Josh Allen's talent – to get the points and get the plays that it did last year, even winning all those games, then to start out this way. I don't know. I do think they may take a little bit of a step back, have a little more conservative game plan. Mm -hmm. I think they feel like if they play that way, they can get a win and get going in the right direction. There'll be plenty of time for Josh to light it up and to be chucking the ball around the field. But I would not be surprised to see a somewhat more conservative game plan against the Raiders. Wow. Mike Catalan is our guest. That's what we've been trying to figure out all week. We'll see what happens. Perspective of the Raiders in Buffalo. You know, Raider fans travel. I think this is the toughest ticket for a Raider fan to get only because it's Buffalo's season opener. And it's, it's a madhouse there for the Bills Mafia. And the Raiders are coming in with a win. And you haven't seen Jimmy Garoppolo in a Raider uniform play there or Devontae Adams. And Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. What's the perception on the ground in Buffalo of the Las Vegas Raiders? You know how this goes sometimes. When you're a team like the Bills and you've been good, it becomes less about the opponent, more about yourself. Except for some opponents, right? When the Dolphins come in, when the Chiefs come in, right? The weeks like this, I think most of the fan base still has the Jets on their mind and they want to see their team. I think they're not thinking Raiders. Now, that doesn't mean the team's feeling that way, but it's different. JT, for years, for 20 years, I used to say, Buffalo's the place motivation goes to die for the opponent. Come into Buffalo, weather was cold, team wasn't good, no real buzz when you come in. Well, those days are long gone. The home team is the buzz now for this team. But I got to tell you, I've been telling people, especially after we talk, watch out this week because – Look, the Raiders, we don't know what their record's going to end up being, but right now they're 1-0, and and they're coming in seeing a wounded Bills team. And I think the Bills better be ready because the way they played Monday, not one part of their game looked set. They have talent, but, you know, offense let them down. Defense was spotty, certainly, in the run game, and the special teams lost the game at the end. So there's a lot to work on in Buffalo. If you're the Raiders, you may be catching them at least at a decent time to have your shot to pull off an upset. Mike, tell us about DeMar Hamlin and the biggest story in the NFL last year, the ESPY Award, the fact that he's alive and still playing football, and the whole league is interested, and I know there could be a big emotional moment with him for the home opener. What do you know? Yeah, you know, the thing about DeMar is we were with them in Cincinnati when that happened last year, and all these years, 35 years for me covering the league, I've never, obviously, I don't think anybody's ever experienced anything like that. 
And just to see him back all these times was amazing. But it, it got to the point where everybody else would be talking about what it's like. And I'd see DeMar as a football player again, which I think is like the best compliment you can give the guy and the most encouraging thing. He's out there playing. Now, he wasn't active in the first game, and we don't know for sure what's going to happen on Sunday. I think that's more of a numbers thing right mm-hmm. now yeah. because, you know, they got Poyer and Hyde, and, you know, they have depth at safety now. But the guy looked great in camp. And I think even with the players, when we would ask him about DeMar, they'd be kind of like, yeah, I, I see him every day. Like, he's DeMar. He's the same guy. He's been great. He has been inspirational. He's on this team because he can play. I mean, maybe in a backup role. And maybe they could have used him on teams yeah. a little bit in week number one. But let's see what happens. But every time he's in that stadium, uh, he lights people up. So I think uh, hopefully he's on the field. I'd love to see him on the 46 for, for Sunday. But um, he's, he's definitely, definitely a guy who's going to play again this year. Mike Catalan, as we wrap it up. Mike, the strength of the defense, Rousseau can get to the quarterback. Oliver could be yep. a beast at times as you wait for Von Miller and Matt Milano. Everyone talks about him in coverage and his ability to intercept the ball. Can you just give us a brief synopsis of the strength of the Buffalo Bills defense? Yeah, I got to tell you, one guy who was a strength on Monday, and it's the first time we've seen him in a Bills uniform, is Leonard Floyd, because mm-hmm. he played really well, and obviously he was the one that had to play on Rodgers. All that guy does is get sacks, right? We've seen him do it multiple years in the NFL, so he has been a really good addition for them. Um, you know, you mentioned Milano. That's Terrell Bernard next to him. He's a guy, you know, that they're hoping can fill that role, but that's a question mark, and it has been. You've got older guys in the secondary, um, you know, with Trey White and Hyde Employer at safety. And they're smart and they're tough, but all at that 30 or close to just past 30-year-old age. The guy to watch for, and the guy I think fans are going to really start to notice, is, is Christian Benford, the uh, corner. They drafted him out of Villanova, sixth-round pick. Last year, when they had a choice to make, the number one pick or the sixth-round pick to start the first game at the Rams, they went with Benford. This year, at the end of the camp competition, Benford starts, Elam doesn't even dress for the game. And you saw him chase down the back uh, for the Jets in the uh, game on Monday night from about 60 yards back. Christian Benford is a guy to watch out for on this defense. I think he's got the makings of a Pro Bowl-like player at some point in the secondary for the Bills. Pleasure talking to you again, Mike. Thanks for having me on, and we'll do it again soon. Hope to talk to you soon. All right, JT. You got it. Mike Catalano in Buffalo, uh, one of the covering the league 35 years. And that's what I'll do every week. Every week I'll get you the premier insiders from the other side. We had Dave Logan on last week, the voice of the Denver Broncos, Brandon Cristal, and we had Tim Graham on this week, and Mike Catalano. I can't do any better than those two gentlemen. They know the Bills. So you hear that. Uh, Leonard Floyd played well. Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, big test for this offensive line. Offensive line better play well. And I think Colt Miller. Remember we said this year Colt Miller's got to have a Pro Bowl year? Not in conversation for the Pro Bowl. No, no. A Pro Bowl year. This will be the test. This Buffalo offense, uh, defensive line is very good. Very good. And they're going to wait on Von Miller to come back later in the year. And Von Miller is going to have to be on a pitch count if they're going to make a deep run in the postseason. I got a lot of stats here in front of me. And today when I was interviewing the coach, they gave me uh, 10 pages of stats. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Who cares about the stats? It's week two. Give me the stats in week six, seven, eight, nine. We'll have something to look at here to see what the trends are for the Raiders. But I like to go back to last year and see how good Buffalo was and the way their defense played and how efficient they were on third down. 
Jimmy Garoppolo's the type of quarterback that can not rip this team up, but kind of little sharp razor blades, like little third down and sixes where he runs. How did everybody like Jimmy running? How cool was that to see Garoppolo run? Derek was able to run from time to time. No one was better than Gannon recently in Raider history over the last 20-plus years. Gannon was great. Oh, my God, on third and seven, how many times Rich would run out of bounds with the first down there and not take a hit? Jimmy G had to stay in bounds, and he was able to do that. So we're putting together the game plan. like to hear from you on this game. And if you don't think the Raiders can win this game, that's okay. They're not going to go undefeated. They're not going 17-0. And the toughest games on the schedule are this one in Buffalo and the one at Kansas City. At Miami seems pretty daunting now. But in the Miami game, we're going to go up against Tua. And I think Tua will throw a couple balls to us. And we just don't know how to guard Tyreek Hill, and we'll have a lot of time to prepare for that. I think the new defense will be a little bit more comfortable for that game. couple of moving lines. So we have Thursday night football tonight. Uh, check out La Casa Cigars if you're looking for somewhere to go. I'm going to pop in there tonight for a cigar. Watch a little of Thursday night football right there in Tivoli Village. 500 cigar selections. I walked into their humidor, and I just couldn't keep up with all the cigars that were there. The Romeo and Julietas. I said, where's my Rocky Patel? I'm looking at all this. Just overwhelmed by that. An incredible whiskey collection. They love their collection of scotch and whiskey over there. And I think that's going to be fantastic. So if you're looking for a place for Thursday night football. Also, I know that Clay Baker will be at Chickies and Pete's inside Sahara. So go hang out with Clay. Clay's one of the best people you can meet. Go hang out with Clay if you want to do that on our official home for Thursday night football, Chickies and Pete's inside Sahara's Las Vegas Hotel. Their beautiful venue, uh, Bizarre Meats there, that pool. They put a lot of money into their pool over the years there in Chickies and Pete's right there where Clay will be there, and Clay's a cool guy to hang out with if you want to watch a football game. Raider Dave in Denver where the Raiders beat the Denver Broncos. Hello, Dave. Hey, good to talk to you again. I think I need to start off talking about Wilson on the defensive end. You know, with uh, going against Russell Wilson at 5'10", 5'11", or whatever you want to stretch him to, I was just really disappointed that there weren't any balls batted down. Mm-hmm. And Wilson on the right-hand side has got the same size as Josh Allen, and I really think that you know if he's not going to bull rush him or whatever, they've got to have a clock in their head mm-hmm. and get their hands up while they contain this guy. I mean, Russell Wilson got outside the pocket and threw some, and I would imagine Josh Allen's going to get that opportunity a couple of times too. But some of the blitzes that the Raiders came up with, with Hobbs, I thought were great, and I look forward to seeing a little bit more of that. But these guys have got to get their hands up and be able to, to knock down passes. Now, as far as the running game goes, I just think they just flooded the gaps in Denver, and I don't know that it's going to be that easy uh, for uh, the, you know, the, the, the Buffalo Bills to do the same thing as you know, what the Raiders saw in that game. You know, you have mistakes. You go and you practice in West Virginia. Everything is contained. They're not coming back to Vegas. They don't have the distractions. And believe me, everybody makes mistakes. It's like a fourth preseason game for everybody in the NFL. And you and I both know, as the rest of the nation, after Monday night and seeing what we saw, Buffalo's got a lot more things to clean up than the Raiders do. So I really look forward to them concentrating while they're in West Virginia about getting the tight end mayor involved and also Hunter Renfro involved. If they could get Trey Tucker to be on this, whether or not Jacoby Myers comes back or not, I think they can have him and Carter four wide on the outside and push these safeties out and go ahead and give Devontae and Hunter some room in the middle to go ahead and make big chunk plays. 
So I, I really, you're right. This is going to be the, one of the toughest, you know, games they've got. I think they can win it, and I'm looking forward to a late field goal by Carlson to get them over the hump. 33-31. Thanks, Dave. Always a great call from you. I agree. This is a Carlson game. Carlson's going to have to win this game. He is. Denver's kicker blew the last game. Missed a field goal and an extra point. It's a 55-yard field goal. It's not a chip shot. But I think Carlson in this game, the Raiders will be stopped. Will be stopped at times in field goal range. And Carlson's going to have to make kicks. And same with A.J. Cole. Punt it out of bounds, A.J. A.J.'s one of the best punters in the league, if not the best. Punt it out of bounds. Don't give Buffalo and their return team a chance to make a big play like we've seen over the years. No need to. We got an advantage in the kicking game, I believe. Greg in Sacramento, let me try to get you up here quick. Greg, thanks for calling in. What's going on up in Sac? Hey, it's, it's beautiful out here, JT. Nice. A, a controlled chaos inside right now, ready for this game. Um, I'm just uh, I'm looking for the D tackles. I'm calling out the D tackles in this game. We need pressure up the middle. Jenkins, Bilal uh, Nichols. Uh, all these guys, uh, uh, Byron Young, Nesta J. Uh, Silvera, I need all these guys to eat in this game. We need pressure up in Josh Allen's face. And it's really going to be a test to the DBs because, like we know, Josh Allen is the lead quarterback, and he will keep the play alive forever. So these guys need to be able to attach. They need to be able to communicate, stick together. But we need that pressure up the middle. And I, and I like what you said. It's a death by a thousand cuts on this one. I don't think we need to go – Try to throw 50-yard, 60-yard bombs, just efficient with the ball. Get it out quick. Um, use your offensive line. But that pressure up the middle is huge, JT. Thank you for everything. Let's go, Raiders. And I say 24-21. Thank Raiders. you. 24-21. Uh, I think Buffalo is going to score more than 21 points. I just think the, I think this is a really good offense. And the number's moving. Hey, some sharp money coming in on the Raiders, everybody. Uh, the line opened up, uh, it was eight initially, then it went to nine, nine and a half. Now it's down to eight and a half. So Buffalo is an eight and a half point favorite. The total on the game is 47. Are some Raider fans thinking of betting the money line and taking the Raiders straight up there? Look, I, do I think the Raiders can cover the spread? Of course I do, but I don't, I don't want the Raiders to cover the spread. I want the win. I know great teams cover. I get paid for the Raiders to win or lose. I enjoy when they Do you know how beautiful of a week I had? I mean, you know how peaceful this week was for me? My wife said before she left to go out of town, she goes, isn't this great? I go, yeah, it's great. I got to be there Thursday, Monday, Tuesday in the building. Everyone's fine. No, by, by the way, there's no one in the building. They're all back. They're all back in West Virginia. But the sales staff that works so hard, everyone that's back there is in a good mood. What would this show be like if they were 0-1, gone all week, gone all week, and then come back if they lose to Buffalo 0-2? I mean, come on. We don't have that here right now. Worst case scenario, we're one and one going into Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett. Uh, I like me a Kenny Pickett party. We're going to pick it from Kenny Pickett, I can promise you. But let's play with some house money, puncher's chance. You're hearing all those terms. I love it. Hey, we love the Black Hole since 1995. The Black Hole Fan Club has been the foundation of the nation. Over 40 chapters worldwide. If you bleed silver and black and want to connect with other diehard fans, then go to theblackhole.com, become an official member of football's most notorious fans. You'll get a Black Hole members-only T-shirt, 20% off all merchandise, and much more. I saw there was a Gorilla Rilla bobblehead senior. Man, I love the bobbleheads for Gorilla Rilla. Plus, you'll get exclusive access to member-only events. Go to theblackhole.com, click on Memberships. 
Johnny Katz at the bottom of the hour. Crowd to its feet on third down and seven. High snap, brings it down. Back to pass, pump fakes right. Going to take up up the middle, Garoppolo the 15, and he's dragged down from behind inside the 12, and he's got the first down. And a flag. And a flag and another punch throw. Garoppolo got hit hard in that game. Early in the game, he went down, they fell on his ankle. That could have been season ending. And imagine what everybody would have thought of. Aaron Rodgers went down four plays in, he's gone for the year. Uh, but Jimmy got up, and Jimmy got hit late on that play that you just heard Jason Horowitz on the call. And then he ran to close out the game on third and seven and got eight yards. So overall, I thought he did a great job. He did what he had to do to win the game. Uh, had a nice quarterback rating, and everything is fine now going forward. And Devontae, Devontae was at practice today, a full participation. So as we take a look at the Raiders today, the injury report just came down. So let me get you up to speed. Devontae Adam, his foot, he was... A full participant today. Uh, he didn't participate yesterday. DeAndre Carter uh, was limited. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, full participant today. Uh, Chandler Jones, personal issue. Uh, when it came to Jacoby Myers today, did not participate again. Uh, Jordan Meredith, the calf, did not participate. Trayvon Merrick, thumb, full participant. He did not practice yesterday. And Jermaine Illuminor, ankle was limited today, and we need him to play well in that game. One of the topics that I wanted to address today is the NBA and their Board of Governors have come up with a new rule for resting players and the penalties. I'm going to go on a big rant about this today, later today. I'm doing my podcast with Tom Looney. We'll throw it up on our YouTube page, too. Brand new YouTube page. Please give it a follow. Subscribe on YouTube, JT the Brick, YT. You'll find it there, and if you're a regular listener to our podcast, we're going to touch on this. So the Board of Governors, which means owners, they're not allowed to say owners. I don't know why. It's 2023. You can't say owners. Mark Davis owns the Raiders. I call him the owner of the team. You can't do that in the NBA. Uh, They voted yesterday to approve tougher resting policy rules and punishment for star players who sit out games. How disgraceful is this league that they have to come up with a rule? How disgraceful. What they're saying is they admit that the last couple of years, years, not last year, years, the players have scammed you, the fans of the NBA, because players just don't play. So they're naming the players now, all-star players who sit out of regular season games. So Adam Silver said that the player participation policy is something that the NBA, the association, and individual players and teams all want to return to the principle that it's an 82-game league. The rule will ultimately give the league authority for greater oversight over discipline for missed games and an ability to fine teams more than a million dollars for each violation. And we'll see what happens here along the way. So they came up with this early tournament. They're going to have a play-in tournament there to entice the players to play and make more money. And here they have a penalty phase now put into place to mandate players participating in 65 regular season games to be eligible for any postseason award. The NBA is defining a star player as someone who has made an all-star team or an all-NBA team in any of the past three previous seasons. In total, 25 teams and 50 players, nearly 11% of the league are impacted by the new rules. 15 teams have multiple players who are named All-Stars or All-NBA, 
in the past previous season. So this is a big topic. This is a topic that I like to sink my teeth into because this is an example of them ripping off the paying customer. They've been doing it for years, and now they finally figured out they can't do it anymore. What a scam the NBA is. I love the NBA, but this is ridiculous. Johnny Katz joins us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He's our entertainment insider, my good friend. And I got a lot to get to with you, Katz. You've been putting out a lot of content. First off, my wife and I were real close to going to Ed Sheeran. You know I ended up going to see Carlos Santana. What was the final story with Ed Sheeran, who's healthy, doesn't have COVID, and why the uh, concert didn't go off? Well, you can never go wrong with Carlos Santana, as you guys Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And I had tickets to Sharon, too. Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened is shortly before that show was uh, was supposed to, well, after the doors opened and uh, and shortly before they were you know going to start the per- performance, about 90 minutes, uh, they found that the um, the five audio towers that Ed Sheeran uses were not uh, staying in place on this on the surface of the Legion Stadium. So when they start moving around, that's a lot. It's a it's a lot of apparatus that is unsteady and unsafe. They're they're locked with the they're connected by cables, all five of them. And you know he plays in the round. He was with a band, but he still plays in the round. So when one or two, we had two that were affected. From what I understand, if even one of them is off, they're all off. Mm-hmm. And they had not encountered this before, so they're going to go back and do a, uh, you know, a post mortem and figure out how they can get this show staged in. Uh, on October 28th is when they're supposed to come out. But Ed Sheeran, uh, two hours before the announcement, was uh, dropped in on a wedding ceremony at a little white chapel in downtown Las Vegas and invited the entire wedding party to the show. And then, mm-hmm. and then two hours later had to call it off. So this was a very late-breaking and very distressing turn of events for the band, for uh, mm-hmm. fans, for the stadium, everybody. So they should be able to figure this out, right? I mean, this is the, oh, the yeah. stage is in the round. It's not the typical stage that was there, but he's got a big tour. I think it's right behind Taylor Swift and Beyonce there. So Huge. no doubt about it that that was an enormous date. And I was at Mandalay Bay for that, and you could really see the amount of fans that were impacted that traveled outside the market. They don't get a refund mm-hmm. on their hotel rooms and their mm-hmm. dinners and all of that. So I know he's going to come back here, and hopefully it comes off without a hitch. He's got a lot of fans that want to see him in Vegas more than anywhere else around the world. Yeah, it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I saw him at uh, T-Mobile Arena a few years mm-hmm. ago, and just him. And it's a remarkable setup that he has, and it's very unique. And he says he's going to do something very, you know, special and singular for Las Vegas, and I'm sure he will. There's a lot of ways to to put on a show like that. I think the thing with those with this particular setup was that the the fact that they were leaning these towers, they aren't straight up and down, mm-hmm. and that you know creates a lot of tension underneath. And and they hadn't had that that quite that kind of show at the Legion before. I think they've only had one in the round show other than this one. That was Garth Brooks who opened it. And he was just on a fixed stage, so you know, <laughs> we uh, it's it's a it's an ongoing process, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, trial and error in a lot of ways. Yeah. In these new new facilities and uh, and unique tours. Johnny Katz is our guest, so we both both make our living out of Vegas, and we are both pro Vegas. You could run for mayor, and I could run for associate mayor with you. We <laughs> love this town, and. 
The cyber hacking story is big. I know why people yes. don't want to talk about it because we want people around the world to come to Vegas and not worry about their credit card not working at a check-in. But it's interesting. When I'm seeing stories about CCSD and other things happening and floods and important topics that need to be on the news, don't get me wrong, but this story kind of getting buried and people blowing up my phone saying, what's really going on here? A cyber hacker and ransoms and all this, this seems like something out of a movie here. How serious has, that, has it affected the Strip? Oh, well, it's Ocean's Eleven to the mm-hmm. nth power, right? I mean, um, you know, the, 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 the concern with this is getting the, the right information out there. Right. And to get the right information out there, what do you need? You need communication, you know? And I'm having my own challenges on the entertainment side, Um getting information out of the people I normally work with because the communication channels are, are, are blocked. You know, there's no email and mm-hmm. these people are, you know, they're, they're under, uh, they're snowed under, you know, by their own uh, inability to communicate inside the company. Um, it is very distressing. And I think, you know, right now it looks like they're just, just paying to, to get this cleared up so they can go back to, to doing business. But it is a, it's an important story because it affects so much, uh, revenue mm-hmm. it affects so many, you know, you know thousands of uh, hotel guests and, and visitors to hotels across the city. And I, I spent a good portion of yesterday just trying to verify how to get tickets to shows. You know, we have many uh, producers and many performances affected at MGM Resorts International over mm-hmm. many <laughs> resort, you know, sure. hotels inside the company. Dozens. And uh, so, you know, how do, how do we tell people, can people go in and enjoy uh, shows and restaurants and they can but you have to go outside your normal booking Mm. uh process you can't go through uh mgm resorts international's main website right now because it's crashed so go go to ticketmaster but you can still do it i'm going to be at uh, cosmopolitan tonight uh, for the first time since all this happened i'll be at an mgm hotel so we'll see what happens Mm. um you know i'm I'm booked to go (laughs) go to a show at the barbershop cuts and cocktails so we'll see, man. But um, it is—it's uh, definitely a case model for what yes. is uh, possible in in the sure. cyber interference uh, world. For it's sure, a really big story. Johnny Katz mm-hmm. joins us. So you're pretty busy here. You're on the new Vice Dark Side of the 2000 Siegfried and Roy episode. I had the pleasure of seeing Siegfried and Roy with my mom and dad and friends back in the day. If you lived here during this time, and for our listeners outside the market, our big streaming audience, if you never saw Siegfried and Roy or Danny Gans or some of the older shows here, you don't understand how big this was. Tell me about the dark side of the 2000s and especially the impact on this one with Siegfried and Roy. Well, this closes a series that, that Vice News was putting together on the 2000s. They do it, the, the whole dark side mm-hmm. uh, franchise, you know, the dark dark side of the 90s, dark side of comedy, dark side of wrestling, you know, and this was uh, a dark side of the 2000s. So they focus on TRL and shock jocks and, um, you know, the, the, the phenomenons of the, from the 2000 to 2010. Mine and the TMZs in it, the growth of TMZ. Um, I my participation in Siegfried and Roy was um, to be uh, you know a person who did cover them and talk about the um, the incident with Montecor, the you know how they handled that, mm-hmm. their incidents with uh, with the animals generally, their position in Las Vegas, and to be kind of you know the authority voice. And I did see them too, and you know in their heyday. And people don't realize how big they yeah, really were. They sold, they sold every. 
every ticket to every show for 14 years at the Mirage. It changed the scale of what was possible in magic, not just in Las Vegas, but internationally. They were, they were the first to have a giant-scale residency show based on magic and to use uh, exotic animals in a residency show the way they did. So, um, yeah, it just started. It just it's up, uh, started streaming last night, and uh, it's very good. good. You know, they did a great job with it, yeah. So right. you get to relive some of those moments. I look forward to it. And Bill Maher in town Saturday at the MGM Grand. Uh, Real Time mm-hmm. is coming back. His podcast is really good. He smokes mm-hmm. weed during his podcast, and everybody goes on that <laughs> podcast. Everybody. John McEnroe the other day. I, I, I'd love to know about his guest booker. Because everybody knows who Bill Maher is. He's been a really a kingpin of comedy, but the real time has been on for a long time on HBO, and he's a very good mm-hmm. interviewer, and he talks yes. to liberals and conservatives, and he'll, he gives everybody a fair shake on his show. That's what I like about him. Yeah, he just had Carrot Top on, the, on his podcast this week, and he goes all the way back to Politically Incorrect, if you remember those mm-hmm. days. So he's got a deep bench, and he's a, he's a very popular uh, stand-up still. He's going to be at Copperfield Theater Friday and Saturday night, and, you know, as you mentioned, and uh, he is a high, he's a great interviewer and interview. You know, I've talked to him a number of times over the years, and he's just he's a very straightforward individual and obviously well informed. He's in the news now that he did something. He's coming back with real time in the face of the actors and writers strike as a member, by the way, of the Writers Guild, Bill Maher, and he's bringing that show back. He hasn't stated what uh, when it'll be, but uh, he is you know in, you know putting the show back on without professional writers other than himself. And this is going to cause some concern across the comedy world, you know, because this is, you know, they're still on strike. And one person, I'll tell you, who is a very big union guy is Brad Garrett. And he runs Brad Garrett's Comedy Club just down from where Copperfield Theater is. I don't know if Brad's in town this weekend, but, you know, he's been walking the picket line himself. So you have different, you have contrasting uh, behavior among mm-hmm. top comics in Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, Johnny Katz, as we wrap it up. So a couple more big ones here as we look at what's going to happen in Vegas with F1. I'm a fan of F1. I've watched Drive to Survive, and I, I'm going to go big on it when we get closer here, trying to get the drivers on and figuring what we're going to do. But, man, the construction, what's happening on the strip, the closures, the amount of people that can't get to work on time, we knew this was coming. And I'm starting to think, Johnny Katz, that year one is not going to be as important as year two through ten. I think what they're trying to do is get it done, get it up to speed, get the roads and the track right, figure out the price points for next year. Mm-hmm. They started off putting these numbers at $10,000, these tickets, and it's coming down. Hotel rooms, everyone was scared of. A hotel room's going to cost too much. What are you hearing on the inside about F1, and how do they pull this off year one? Well, I, I couldn't agree more about that assessment, uh, JT, because you know how they have previews, a preview mm-hmm. period? For shows, <laughs> year one for F1 is the preview. It's just, it's like, yes. okay, we're, this is the workout or the lion's den, like they call that. We'll get it together and then we'll be ready for the, you know, the, the time when we're able to do it right. What I'm hearing most consistently, other than, the, you know, we all know about the inconvenience, is that pretty much F1 is just able to get what they want now because they're so close to, you know, staging the event. So mm. it's like, you know, if you guys want this or that, if you want to, you know, put up a wall here or take down trees there, Go ahead, you know, mm. <laughs> just get it done. And I, I think we're at that point. And I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I've been telling people if they're, you know, the closer we get to F1, if you think that the 
If, if you think it's going to be such an inconvenience to be in Las Vegas during F1 weekend, go somewhere else, man. Yeah. You live here. Seriously, let us do, you know, we'll turn the, turn it into a festival ground for this race and, and, and uh, re- get out of town. recover and recoup afterward. You know? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to get right in the middle of it. I like, I like big events and if, hey, if it's not perfect, yeah. we'll see. And then the last one, the opening of the sphere, what are you hearing? Because you'll have access to you too. You know, I hear that Bono sneaks in and out. He takes a look at it. Then he goes back. They got the mini sphere out in Burbank where they're rehearsing. I'm fascinated. I think fans, it's the same thing. They're not going to get in opening night or the second night. Tickets are going to be going through the roof. But I wonder what access is going to be like. How many fans are going to be able to get in, grab tickets late? What can you tell us about the opening of the Sphere coming up? Well, well, what I would do right now, if you really want to just see the Sphere in its first uh, you know, kind of timeline in, in the opening weeks, look at that postcard from Earth show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Aronofsky, the, the director, the big shot uh, Hollywood guy from from the whale and uh, and Black Swan, he's putting it together and he shared a video this week from his phone of postcard from Earth, which is, shows an elephant wandering yes. through the sphere. And just that video, you like holy mackerel, you know. And I've seen that in the uh, in the prototype. I've seen that very scene. It blows your mind to be in that thing. I think that's a good way to look at it because they're starting with a five thousand capacity instead of a ten thousand capacity for postcard because the sales have in one for one reason sales have not been super strong. You can get in for that and then figure out if you you know how to get into U two later. U mm. two now, yeah, they have been working out in there. A very very tight security, but sure. I've been tracking some of this stuff out of the out of Ireland, and they're talking about them releasing a single, uh, a new single. U2, and uh, aligned with the opening of uh, U2 Octung Baby. U2 UV Octung Baby is what they're calling it. So, you know, there's that. And, uh, you know, and now I'm hearing that, you know, another one that's just coming about is that uh, Fish will play New Year's Fish. Eve at the Sphere. They've got a very strong relationship with James Dolan mm-hmm. and MSG from their Madison Square Garden days. And Trey Anastasio, the, the front, front man, helped test the audio system that's in the Sphere now at Beacon Theater in New York. A lot of connections there. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see uh, Fish announced, not just for New Year's Eve, but a residency. Absolutely. Fish at the Sphere will be one of the most unique things ever to be put out there. This is a solid, as always, entertainment section of our show and segment. I'll see you soon. I'll be around this weekend, man. Hope to catch you out there. Maybe meet at the bar at J.O.D. at Virgin at One Steak or somewhere along the way. Give me a text. That's where dreams come true, folks, right there. (laughs) There you go. Johnny Katz, (laughs) thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Johnny Katz, his entertainment uh, segment every two weeks, and that was very detailed. Very detailed about the hacking here in town, U2, Fish maybe with the residency, F1. Look, I'm going to be positive F1. I'm positive Raiders. I'm positive Golden Knights. I'm positive with all this stuff. I'm not positive A's because the A's are a train wreck and they just want to copy Mark Davis and and run the Raiders out of Oakland doing deals behind their back and come here and go, oh, we'll take what the Raiders did, please. No. But, look, things can change. Down the road, new ownership, wink, wink. But, man, we got a lot going on here, Bobby. Bobby, there's a lot going on here. I used the term often threading the needle. Okay, there's a lot of traffic. I'm not a traffic guy. I hide out in Summerlin. When I do go down to the Strip, I take an Uber. Usually it's clean when I'm down there. Mm-hmm. I don't look in my ways. I don't cry about traffic because I moved here to get away from traffic. I'm from New York. I lived in the Bay Area in L.A. Now traffic's starting to happen here. We're trying to get the strip ready for F1. 
trying to open up the sphere, and we got the Super Bowl coming in February. A lot going on. I'll tell you what, I haven't crossed the strip in a month, and I have no intention of doing so <laughs> anytime in the near future. Unless Fish does come on New Year's Eve, oh, then I'll fish show up. Fish on New Year's Eve. I got to talk to Joe Fortenbaugh about that. Ross Godovin, our buddy Ross, who's so big with our partnership at PTs. Anybody who's seen Fish, and I've seen him on Halloween. I've seen them on Halloween, Several not times, New Year's. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see that. So entertainment in town. When you're the sports and entertainment capital of the world, and I think because of entertainment, you know, New York's the sports and entertainment capital. They got the Yankees, the Giants. They got Broadway. They got the Garden. But Vegas is coming because we don't. We have UFC year-round. We have boxing. I'm going to the Canelo fight coming up. I am gonna can't wait to go back to a fight. So that's all coming here. But the Raiders' home opener which will be on Sunday, a week from this Sunday. It's going to be a big one, and I want to thank Angela Bolitnikoff, who sent me a reminder today that I'll be hosting a meet-and-greet with Fred Bolitnikoff coming up over at the Ghost Bar. Used to hang out at the Ghost Bar a lot over the years, and we get an opportunity to do it again. So Fred Bolitnikoff and myself will be there for a great event coming up. Also, the Bolitnikoff Foundation Crab Feed is coming November 3rd, and that's going to be over at the Westgate. And you can get all of this information on the Bolitnikoff's Facebook page. They have a lot of good events coming up. I can't wait for this Sunday night home opener. Eric Allen and I meet us at the Torch. Whenever you go to a Raider game, come on up to that second level by the Torch. We'll have the stage set up. Q will be there with the pre. We'll have, he'll have the pre-pre. We'll have the pre-game show. And it'll be fun. Steelers are coming. The Steelers are coming. Feels like we need a home game, doesn't it? What's going on? Now that Ed Sheeran's gone... Let's get our stadium back and get a home game. He's not just a challenge for the linebackers. Uh, he's a challenge for everybody. Um, this is one of the premier players in our league. Um, I've obviously had an opportunity to, to compete against him a number of times. Uh, he's an incredible competitor really tough um, football player. He's a football player. He's not just a quarterback. I mean, he can hurt you with his mind. He can hurt you with his arm. He can hurt you with his legs. He can hurt you with his shoulder, dropping his shoulder and running through people. Um, wants the ball in his hands and all the got to have it situations. Uh, just does a tremendous job of leading their football team. You know, he's a, he's a really good leader and obviously they play hard for him. So, um, you know, there's so many challenges he presents. You try to contain him, try to, you know, limit some of the production that you can. But, um, you know, he's going to make his fair share of plays, and you got to just try to make it as hard as you can on him to, to not let that get out of hand. Well, that was last uh, two days ago when Josh McDaniels talked about Josh Allen, who's a hell of a quarterback. I interviewed him today. He roughly said the same thing to me. He's got a lot of respect for him. That's the type of quarterback that every head coach would want to coach. He's a guy that can run and can make every throw. So Josh Allen, as we talked about earlier in the broadcast, if the pocket breaks down and Max is chasing him, if Max doesn't get him and he extends the play, watch out because Diggs and Davis are going to get open and their tight ends can get open. Where's our tight end, Michael Mayer? Where is he? Let's go. This is a game for him. He played at Notre Dame. He's an elite player. He can run routes. I'd like to see him have a breakout game. I don't know if Trey Tucker's going to play. I don't know the status of Jacoby Myers. Q might find out in his slot tomorrow, or I might find out tomorrow. We'll know more about that. Every man on deck for this game. Okay, everybody's going to have to have a pretty big game here. 
And will it be a Josh Jacobs game or not? That's what Q and I talked about earlier. It'd be nice if it was a Josh game. What would be a real realistic thought for you on Josh Jacobs? I'll go first. 119 yards, two touchdowns. Give him the ball at the two-yard line. He gets an eight-yard touchdown, a two-yard touchdown. He's got two touchdowns, over 100 yards. That's how you win this game. And if not, you're going to have to turn it over to Jimmy G, and Jimmy G's going to have to come from behind and put the ball in the air. I like the fact, you know, Buffalo's got a really good defense. They got pass rushers, too. They got good linebackers. They have better linebackers than the Raiders. No debate. So what's going to happen here is that if Jimmy can find a way to have someone go deep, so if Trey Tucker plays, he's a guy that can just maybe take a safety with him deep if he runs a go route, and Devontae can be on the opposite side. Then you got Michael Mayer. Then you have a unique opportunity for Jacoby Myers if he's cleared to play, and then Hunter Renfro. Hunter's going to play an important role in this game because Hunter is a possession guy on third down. Got to stay on the field on third down. Have to. And if the Raiders are able to stay on the field and keep Josh Allen on the bench for another minute 50, two minutes, all of a sudden that adds up. And that's how the Raiders win time of possession. I'm hoping for the best in this game. I'm really excited the way everything's changed in a matter of days. Buffalo loses the Aaron Rodgers game to the Jets. Raiders win and beat their rival at Denver. Raiders get to West Virginia quickly. So they're there and they're set up with everything they need. Beautiful resort, focus isolated practices, and they're on the body clock of the East Coast. And Buffalo's got to deal with their own media in Buffalo that's coming down on them. Tomorrow, my conversation with Josh McDaniels. We do that exclusively and a, a bit of Jason Horowitz with Q&I and, and the Newsman. Chris Matthews joins us from 8 News Now. Love talking to Chris as he's one of our insiders. Have a great night, everybody, for Thursday Night Football. We'll see you back here tomorrow.